there, sports fans, and welcome to the Heavy Hitters Podcast, the ultimate destination for your weekly dose of sports excitement with co-host Darnell Duff. Now it's Sandman, right point with it, left circle, Paul wants it, fires it, scores! Ashton Paul, welcome to Dolphin! And co-host Jeff Henson. Williams, blue line, shot, great mouth! Oh, you hit! Score! Score! Morgan McLean! The score for AJHL champions! Whether you're into goals, touchdowns, three-pointers, or home runs, we've got it all covered. We're here to bring you the latest updates, witty commentary, and a whole lot of sports love. So, whether you're tuning in from the sidelines or the comfort of your own couch, get ready for a fast-paced ride through the world of sports. Strap in, because it's game time on the Heavy Hitters Podcast. Hello, welcome, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, whenever you're listening to this, welcome to the Heavy Hitters Podcast, episode number one, the start of a new journey, a new adventure my name is Darnell Duff. As you just heard, the woo in the background, Jeff Henson. Jeff, this has been a long time coming. I know we've had a lot of behind-the-scenes work, um, but to finally get this going, there's a lot of excitement, isn't there? Who would have thought we'd have ever get to this point, uh, Darnell? Uh, looking forward to this. Let's uh, you know, let's talk sports, something you and I love to do. Let's do this. We could do this for hours on days and days. Of course, the Heavy Hitters podcast can be listened anywhere you listen to your podcast these days. And that's what we're going to chat about, sports. We're going to chat about the biggest topics in the world coming up on the program today. We're chatting Super Bowl, the debacle, in my opinion, what's what's going on at the Waste Management Phoenix Open, the National Hockey League, some surprising uh, storylines so far and perhaps some disappointments, and also the junior hockey landscape in the country. It's top C turvy right now, a lot of controversy in some leagues, so we'll have an update on that as well. But with it being episode number one of this new journey, Jeff, I want to pass it off to you. Give us a, a little bit of an introduction where you come from. What has led you here to where you are right now in Dauphin? Well, the just down the highway is where uh, home is for me. Uh, originally born and raised in a Tiny little farming community called St. Rose du Lac, population of about uh, 1,200 or so people. Yes, small. it's very small. Yes, and, and by uh, the la- the name, you can tell, very much a, a French community. I was probably one of the few families that didn't speak French in St. Rose du Lac. So uh, uh, picked up the odd word, the odd phrase here and there. Certainly uh, not enough that I would survive if I ever made my way over to Paris for a trip or anything like that. I'd probably need a, a really good interpreter to come with me and, and help me with conversations with that. But uh, nonetheless, uh, uh, loved growing up in a small town like that. Everybody knew everybody. You could go outside 8, 9 o'clock at night and play road hockey or throw a football around or something like that and not worry about anything. Not worry about, you know, some guy coming out of the bush to jump you or do anything like that because you knew all your neighbors had your back out there. It was uh, really fun growing up in a, a small town like that. And uh, from there, went and took uh, broadcasting school in Winnipeg. I was actually part of the first ever course at Robertson College in Winnipeg, which unfortunately, uh, uh, at least that radio broadcasting course doesn't uh, exist anymore. But uh, took that in the summer of 92, led to my internship uh, at 730 CKDM here in Dauphin. Uh, spent about eight, nine years there. Made the move out west to uh, uh, the Rocky Mountain area and out to Alberta where I spent a couple of years in Fort McMurray. My claim to fame with regards to my broadcasting career to date is I replaced Dan O'Toole up in Fort McMurray at the... Uh, a couple Household of radio name. stations. Yes, he uh, didn't quite make the jump right from Fort McMurray to TSN. He had a stop in Vancouver in between, but it wasn't long after that that uh, Dan was on evenings on uh, TSN and such. So uh, that's my claim to fame is that I took over for him when he left uh, Fort McMurray. And uh, from there, spent a year in Edmonton and then made the move up to Grand Prairie. Spent 15, 16 years actually up in uh, Grand Prairie. 
Uh, been calling hockey uh, in amongst uh, all that career, starting here with the Kings and the Swan Valley Stampeders for a few years. Called the Fort McMurray Oil Barons. Finally got to call a championship, which has always been one of my goals with regards to my broadcasting career. Uh, got to call a championship when the Grand Prairie Storm won the Alberta Junior League in 2009. And then uh, this summer, full circle, able to come back home here to Dauphin and come back to uh, CKDM once again. And uh, loving it. Loving being back here. Brand new building from compared to uh, when I was uh, first with CKDM back in the late 1990s. Certainly uh, more up to date than uh, what that building was. But uh, it's uh, been a lot of fun. And of course, getting to meet you along the way here, buddy. And now, finally, finally getting this podcast off the ground. And I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so got to tell people about yourself now there, Mr. Duffy. Yeah, so uh, for for myself, uh, nickname is Duffy. I've been called Bernard in the past. Uh, several nicknames that uh, don't really matter a whole lot. But when it comes to the podcast, I am Duffy. Jeff Henson is Henny, but grew up in uh, in Winnipeg. So a little bit of a bigger... Now, you're pointing at me. What the are you pointing at? The main thing, at least, is that nobody ever called you late for dinner. Let's put it that way. No, I've never They been can call late. you whatever nickname they want as long as they've never called you late for dinner. I've never been late for for dinner i've never been late for breakfast i've never been late for lunch there's no meal that i'm going to be late for if you need me to wake up at two in the morning and have a snack i'll gladly be there and i'll probably be like 10 minutes early folks there is a reason why this is called the heavy hitters darnell and i both have probably never missed a meal in our lifetime. No, we haven't. We're coming in. We're coming in heavy. But yeah, coming in, uh, growing up in Winnipeg, had a couple of brothers uh, that were big into sports. One brother played uh, in the Olympics. So I was always around the, you know, around the court, whether it be basketball, at the rink, on the volleyball court, and just grew up loving it. Had the chance to broadcast some uh, University of Winnipeg Westman games, uh, basketball and volleyball, and just sort of grew my passion from there. Love spending time volunteering. I remember all the great moments I had at the Maples uh, Arena over the years and ultimately went to Herzing College for the radio and television broadcasting course. That led me to Toronto where I interned at uh, Sportsnet 590 for the fan for about a month and a half, which was uh, an incredible journey. One that I'll certainly uh, never forget. Got to meet uh, all the big wigs, Ken Reed, of course, Ivanka Osmak, and uh, just such a surreal opportunity. Then that took me to Fort McMurray where I spent about 10 months at the start also in Flin Flon and now uh, I've been in Dauphin for the past six and a half years Fortunate to call uh, Dauphin Kings hockey games and my coolest moment so far, my claim to fame is has to be two seasons ago when the Kings won the championship. Sort of underdogs against the Steinbach Pistons in the final, but uh, one game seven. I'm still trying to get my voice back from two years ago, um, but uh, certainly a season I'll never forget. Also made the national semifinal, which was pretty cool. And here we are today. Another hockey season rolls on and got the chance to meet you. And uh, just looking forward to getting down to business. I know we talk a lot about sports off the air, but uh, looking forward to mixing in some fun on the air, some controversy, and all the good things that come with sports. That's kind of neat. You and I were both at the same station in Fort McMurray. Different times. I had moved on to uh, Grand Prairie by the time you showed up there at uh, uh, CJOK and CKYX, now owned by uh, uh, Rogers at the time when I was there. It was a privately owned company that uh, owned those radio stations. I still remember... The Miracle Marathon, getting to host that for a number of years, a big fundraiser they had for their Santa's Anonymous program, and just some great people up there in uh, Fort McMurray. One of my all-time favorites, unfortunately, uh, we lost him last year due to cancer, Leo Robert of uh, L. Robert Enterprises fame up in uh, Fort McMurray. Just a, an amazing, amazing individual, and uh, certainly a, a guy that I think of fondly. Uh, when I think of uh, Fort McMurray, other guys, you know, Brian Hatfield, Terry Connors. Uh, I'm sure if any of them are listening right now, they're probably uh, recollecting back to some great times uh, in Fort McMurray. And uh, another one of my, one another beauty, we'll call him, is Dr. Ken Nickerson. Was a one-time uh, trainer within the Montreal Canadiens uh, organization. Uh, became a doctor and uh, was actually one of my color commentators when I was up in uh, uh, Fort McMurray. We went to the NHL draft in 2002 together. Uh, along with Andrew Boudelier. We broadcasted live from the floor of the Air Canada Centre at the time in uh, Toronto, now Scotiabank Arena, uh, when Scotty Upshaw was drafted first uh, or in the first round, sixth overall by the Nashville Predators. And uh, 
Doc and Boots would definitely have some very, very fun stories to tell about that week that we spent in Toronto. Now, I want to chat about the Super Bowl that was over the weekend, but since we're in the theme of shout-outs right now, uh, if he's listening, I want to give a big shout-out to Rob Hart, who is the current voice and longtime voice of the Flin Flon Bombers. I'll never forget when I started my broadcasting career Right after going to Herzing, I went to Flin Flon, had that chance. I was a copywriter, um, so I didn't wasn't on air as much as maybe I wanted to be. But Rob gave me my first opportunity to call a junior A hockey game. It was the Flin Flon Bombers and the Larange Ice Wolves. This was like eight years ago, and I, I listen back now, and I'm like, oh my goodness! Everybody probably turned off the radio because it it was uh, it was an absolute disaster. I like to think I've come come a long way, but just nice nice to you know look back at uh, the people who gave you your starts in your career. Rob Hart was huge, and also uh, he's also a voice as mentioned of the Bombers. They're the top team in the Canadian Junior Hockey League, which is something we've noted a lot about on the Dauphin Kings Power Play Show. So a big shout out uh, certainly to Rob Hart, but. When it comes to the program, we're going to take a quick break. That is Jeff Henson. I'm Darnell Duff. We're coming back. We're kicking things off with the Super Bowl in the Sin City in a moment. Thanks for listening to the Heavy Hitters Podcast. You can keep up to date with everything Heavy Hitters by following the guys on Twitter at It's the Duffy One and JHenson73. And you can check them out on Facebook by visiting the Heavy Hitters Podcast page. The boys will be right back with some more heavy hitting action. Welcome back. It's the Heavy Hitters Podcast. Episode one, Jeff Hansen, Henny, Darnell Duff. I go by the name of Duffy. It is time to kick it off. Let's chat Super Bowl Jeff, the Kansas City Chiefs. At times this year, extremely underwhelming. So many people thought that they they just couldn't do it. They couldn't win another Super Bowl. But let's not forget, folks, Patrick Mahomes. When it comes to Patrick Mahomes and big-time moments, he gets the job done. He did against San Francisco. Instrumental, especially in that overtime drive. When they needed a touchdown to win the game, Mahomes took them down the field. They were facing a fourth and one. They ended up winning the game 25 to 22. How could people honestly believe going into this game that Patrick Mahomes wasn't going to at least give the Chiefs a chance to win? Oh, you could tell by my groan. I was groaning over. Yeah, like, come on. Can we not have somebody different than the Kansas City freaking Chiefs win the Super Bowl every year now? But uh, no, I mean, he's the current generation version of Tom Brady. You didn't want to bet against the New England Patriots and Brady. And you don't want to bet in big games against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, and that's yeah, that's what he does. He he, you know, he can look like the rest of the year, barely get the team into the playoffs like but, this. You know, in a okay, we'll say this a weaker West Division compared to other years. Look at the other teams that were in that West Division this year. Kansas City could have sleptwalked through the season, and they would have won the AFC West title, uh, considering the uh, dumpster fires that are in those other three divisional or teams in that uh, division. But, yeah, you said it. I mean, when it comes to chips are down and when you need him at the biggest moments, that's when he rises uh, to the best here. And uh, I want to say one thing here, though, and this has been eating at me, oh, for some time now. I really want to put the rest all these people that think professional sports are scripted. Can we please stop with that? I mean, I lost how many times I've heard people say, oh, the NFL is scripted, the NFL is rigged. NHL is rigged. Canada can't win a Stanley Cup to save their lives. Bullshit. Now, I'm no, sorry. No, no, no. Jeff, that, that's that's an interesting point that you bring up scripts because I'm not saying sports are scripted. Um, but I guess in, in partial ways, I am. I, I, I just think the outcomes of some events just seem to be a little bit too storybook or especially with how prominent Vegas and bookies are these days. It, it just, I'm not saying the Super Bowl was uh, scripted because no. I don't believe it was. I think the best team won and I think the best quarterback led his team to their second straight championship going for a three-peat next year. But I will say, I think there are some endings in sports that are a little bit too bookie for me. Come on. Just a little Come bit. Come on. It's pro sports. It's live sports. 
How can you script something like that? Come on. I'm, I'm tired of hearing that from people that pro sports. This ain't no freaking sitcom or something like that that's scripted. It's professional live sports. Can we please stop with the whole, oh, it's scripted. I can't believe that this happened again. It's scripted. Stuff happens. Yeah, Kansas City won for a second straight year, third time in the last five years. People are pissed about it. I don't like it. I want to see other teams win it. But come on. The team is good. They're going to do that. If you want your team to do better, get on their case to make better teams or to get a better club and perform better during the season. But Enough of this excuse that stuff is cryptic. Come on. I, I am I'm all for that saying, though. I mean, people complain, oh, it's the same team that won the championship again. What's going on? I'm going to boycott the NFL because Kansas City. How about the rest of the NFL step it up? Make some moves to improve your team to win a championship. It's not Kansas City's fault that they win every year, is it? You want a, you want a perfect example? I'm a lifelong Minnesota Vikings fan. If there's ever oh, a team that boy. a team that a fan could start drinking because of, it's oh, the Minnesota Vikings. That's Do tough. you hear me coming out here complaining? Ah, it's scripted. The Vikings are never going to win the Super Bowl. No, the Vikings got to shape up. And is Kirk Cousins coming back? I don't think so. I don't think he will be. Oh, Which is a shame because I personally liked Kirk Cousins as a quarterback, and I think he was finally starting to shed that whole can't win in the big game type moment, but uh, I see a huge, huge uh, rebuild coming up here in Minnesota over the next couple of years. It's going to be tough being a Vikings fan. It's always tough being a Vikings fan, but you know who is coming back? I'm sorry, I have to chirp you a little bit for being a Vikings fan, although I, I love their purple and white, so I guess I'm sort of a Vikings fan. I don't know. But you know who is coming back? Travis Kelsey. He is confirmed as well as Andy Reid. They're going for a three-peat next year with Patrick Mahomes. Who is going to stop this gauntlet? I mean, uh, you have to think they're going to enter the season as favorites. They're going to be, once again, tough to beat. I mean, if they're not a dynasty already, they can completely become one if they win again next year. I'm, I'm throwing it out here right now. They do not three-peat next year. The team that beats them, and you can write it down in paper and pen and you can chirp me if it doesn't happen in a year from now, but the Cincinnati Bengals are going to win Super Bowl number 59. No, you can't That's be my serious. prediction. Yeah. The Cincinnati Bengals. As long as Joe Burrow stays healthy, that's a Super Bowl champion. You right think there. they're going to beat the Chiefs in the AFC? I think they Chief. will. I think they could have uh, beaten them this year if Burrow had stayed healthy. Folks, uh, please, please, please get your pens and papers out and book it right now. This since I'm not going to predict a team right now, anyways. But uh, oh, the, the Henny's taking the Cincinnati Bengals to beat the Kansas City Chiefs next year. A three-peat will not happen. And on top of that, they're going to play. You really want outrageous out of all of this. They're going to play the Detroit Lions in okay. Super Bowl 59. Okay. Dan Campbell, let's talk about Dan Campbell for a bit. Everybody's saying he made he he got the team to where they went because of his bold calls, his bold strategy, but they were eliminated perhaps because of that bold strategy. So why what do you make of that? Why would you change in the playoffs? If that's what got you there, you, don't you change. do that. You live by the sword and you die by the sword. I applaud him for taking those risks and such like that against San Francisco in the NFC Championship game. That's what got the Lions through the regular season as the best team in the Central, the number two seed or one of the top seeds in the uh, uh, NFC, number three actually behind Dallas. But uh, that's what got them there. That's what got them to the NFC Championship itself. You don't change things all of a sudden just because you're in a championship game. You go with what got you there. And hats off to Dan Campbell for not changing yeah, in hindsight, it didn't work out for the Lions in the end in the NFC Championship, but I like the cojones that he had for sticking with that and continuing on with those bowl calls throughout the playoffs. I love that word, and I could not agree anymore. I'm all Dan Campbell, so I'm going to go Dan Campbell against Andy Reid, the Chiefs 3 win. It's happening, Jeff. I'm sorry. It is happening. So, we don't agree who's going to win next year. I think the Chiefs. You don't think the Chiefs. Well, we're going to find out in a year, and someone's going to be able to chirp someone. Oh, yeah. I have a feeling I'm going to be able to chirp you, just as I did earlier this yes. year with the Oilers Beat the Jets. <laughs> yeah, I had to bring that up yeah, again. You're never you? going to live that <laughs> note. <laughs> so the Super Bowl was the most watched 
program in United States history, 123 million viewers, which surpassed last year by 5 million, which is pretty crazy. Now, it was a big party in the Sin City and really all across the United States because I think on average I saw that every American spends $80, $80 on the Super Bowl. Some people go astronomical, some don't spend as much, but on average they spend $80. Yeah, that's, that's a fair assessment, I would say. So, party. Let's switch. Let's talk about another party <laughs> at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Nick Taylor. I, I will start this by saying congratulations off, yep. to Nick Taylor. He won the Canadian Open last year with that 72-foot putt. Shocked Tommy Fleetwood. Shocked the world. Shocked the golfing landscape. He broke a huge curse of what we thought when it comes back to script. Maybe the script... Wasn't for a Canadian to win last year. Shocked the security guard that had to tackle Adam Hadwin <laughs> yeah. as he went to go celebrate. Well, that's another story. <laughs> How do you feel if you're that security guard? But he goes into the Waste Management Phoenix Open. He birdies the 18th hole. Forces a playoff against Charlie Hoffman, who I call Mr. Irrelevant, sort of like Brock Purdy. But Hoffman was that close to winning a championship. Ultimately, Taylor won in the playoff to give Canada another golfing championship which is super cool but i want to talk specifically about the party on the 16th hole now this in the past i remember last year um higgs harry higgs and joel damon on the 16th hole they ripped off their shirts they were waving them around as flags making a mockery of the sport in my opinion this is professional this isn't going out with your buddies on a sunday morning having a two six before nine o'clock and live in the dream. This is a professional sport. Now this year, the players weren't going as crazy, but it was the fans. They all come up, they absolutely obliterated, they're hammered out of their mind. There's people punching each other in the stands. There's people coming out of the stands, even making sand angels beside, beside the green in the bunker. They're running all over the green. This has become outrageous in my opinion this is still a professional sporting event fans yeah. have to take it as that have fun but come on guys can you imagine if something like this ever happened at the masters oh, oh my god there's someone's be... going to jail yeah exactly and for a long time i mean my, man I, I i just don't get why is it this one event is like that every year well, I mean, it, it's dubbed the stadium hole, and it's a great atmosphere. And sure, have drinks, get drunk. Just don't do that. Like, come on. And you even see so many players, Billy Horschel was saying, just shut up. Zach Johnson is on record now. He playing in his 21st year on tour. He's completely sick of what is going on. He's telling fans to shut up as well because fans are not respecting what is going on on the golf course. I mean, so many people say golf is a gentleman's sport, and to agree, I certainly uh, or to agree, I certainly agree with that. But these fans are just—they're turning a beautiful game, in my opinion, whether you're a golfing fan or not, into a terrible spotlight on an event that usually fields the top players in the world and so many people are saying are you know crapping on live golf that they're playing music they're having a party you don't see fans doing this no. at live golf tournaments but you see them doing it at waste management and nobody is really you know crapping on the pga as they do with live and what's the pga doing about it not much Nothing. they suspended booze sales that's it yeah like people ridiculous. are still gonna come in hammered yeah which What's I guess, stopping you and me from having a couple of drinks before we even go to the golf course? Nothing. And I mean, and I guess you, like can, you like, can't stop them, but the PJ has to take a, a further stance on this. I mean, moving forward in into the 2025 waste management, this can't happen because it's painting a pretty, in my opinion, this is painting a pretty poor picture on the Professional Golfers Association. Like I said, wait for the first time that something like this happens at a major, whether it's the Masters or the U.S. Open or something like that, then you'll see the PGA finally decide to do something. They say getting tickets to the Masters is almost like winning the Powerball lottery that's worth like a bajillion dollars in the United States. If something ever like this happens at the Masters, I will be distraught. And uh, so PGA, step it up, make a difference. 
enforce something. And Americans or perhaps even Canadians, because I know a ton of Canadians go down to Phoenix to watch that event. Step it up. Just stop acting like a complete child. Have fun. Have some drinks. Do not go overboard because that is just a complete joke. This is not college spring break, folks. It's professional sports. Let's act like it that way. Absolutely. Super Bowl, waste management. We're coming back in a moment to chat National Hockey League. Some surprises, some disappointments. That in a moment. This is the Heavy Hitters Podcast. The Heavy Hitters Podcast returns in just a moment with Duffy and Henny. Do you have a heavy-hitting topic that you want the boys to chat about? Hit them up on Twitter at It's the Duffy One, JHenson73, or send a message to the Heavy Hitters Podcast Facebook page. And in the meantime, enjoy the show with Duffy and Hay. Welcome back to the podcast, Duffy, Henny, Jeff Henson, Darnell Duff, back to chat about the National Hockey League. Some surprises and some disappointments. Jeff, in your opinion, I think there has been many headlines across the National Hockey League this year. The Vancouver Canucks becoming, uh, you know, one of the top teams and championship contenders, picking up some big-time players. The Boston Bruins, the ageless wonders. It just seems that no matter how old this team gets, they continue to win hockey games. The Ottawa Senators, the controversy around Morgan Riley, Ryan Reeves, and making his comments. The Winnipeg Jets without Kyle Connor, but almost seemingly to play some of their best hockey without Connor, who is a superstar in the NHL. When it all comes down to it, what is one of your biggest surprising teams in the NHL so far? Boy, you mentioned a couple of good ones there right there. Vancouver is definitely, uh, um, I, you know, it. I never thought of Vancouver at first, but they're certainly, I would think, the best story in the NHL this year. This is a team that was a uh, uh, a dumpster fire just a couple of years ago waiting to happen. And all of a sudden they bring in Patrick Alvey and they bring in Jim Rutherford. And now they're the best team in the National Hockey League. And you got to uh, give props where props is due. Uh, the job that Alvin has done is turning that franchise around. But the one for me is the Boston Bruins. This is a team that was supposed to take a step backwards this year with the retirement of Patrice Bergeron. It hasn't happened. They're still the best team in the Eastern Conference, best team in the... Uh, uh, Atlantic Division, and really, they haven't lost a step with uh, Bergeron out of the lineup. We hear some rumblings. Maybe he's going to come back. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Patrice is quite happy, uh, retired, and uh, uh, sitting away, uh, sipping margaritas or whatever he does when he's uh, not at the rink and such like that. But I think uh, you know the Bruins, the fact that they're still the team to beat in the Eastern Conference, Despite losing a key guy like that, they also lost David Krejci. So they're down two big-time centers, and they're still going along as if nothing happened. That's that's my biggest surprise on a positive side so far in the NHL this year. Now, regardless of who our favorite team is in the National Hockey League, um, I think with the exception of the Toronto Maple Leafs, I, I, I don't want Toronto to win the Stanley Cup. That makes two of us. If it's going to happen, Toronto. yeah, I mean, I, I just don't want it because then you're never going to hear the end of it. You're going to be... I, I I think my argument is people say they're big Toronto Maple Leafs fans and then they bring up the history of how many Stanley Cups they've won, how great they were, how much of a dynasty they were. And then I ask them the question, were you even alive when the Toronto Maple Leafs last won a Stanley Cup? And they're like... Well, no. no. Then no. Stop talking. You cannot bring up how good of a team they were because you weren't a fan of them when they were winning their cups. You're just that's just the one defense you have now when everybody else is saying, well, how shitty of a team is Toronto. You look back to how many decades ago that they actually won a championship. That'd be like me going out and bragging all about the three Avco Cups that the Winnipeg Jets won in the 1970s. What does that matter with regards to the NHL? The Jets, you know, the closest they've ever gotten to anything was the Western Final a couple of years ago. So, I mean, no. You, it's what have you done for me lately? It's not this past bull crap. It's what you're doing for me right now. 100%. Now, you bring up the Jets, and that is my biggest surprise of the season so far. Entering play... As of Tuesday, 31-14 and 5, third place in uh, their their division. Right behind the pack, though. This is a team that lost Kyle Connor. They went 12-2-2 and without Connor. They have only four guys in the minus. The rest of their team is plus. They're led by Dylan DeMello, who is a plus 28. 
And then you have Nikolai Ehlers as well as Josh Morrissey, who are both plus 20 right now. You have a guy who uh, they like to call Connor Vesnabuck in Connor Hellebuck. I think Laurent Brassois bringing him back as a serviceable backup who would have played the entire Stanley Cup last year if it wasn't for an injury. Aiden Hill ultimately had to come in. But uh, this is a Winnipeg team who has gone through their blips when they lost five straight games. They were embarrassed about against the Philadelphia Flyers just recently ago. But this is a Winnipeg team led by Rick Bonus, who is really playing solid defensively. And they also have some guys, let's just call it point blank and simple, up front that can score, including Mark Shafley, including Kyle Connor, including Nikolai Ehlers. I think the biggest thing for this organization was to get rid of Blake Wheeler. I think that yep. was massive. And this is a Winnipeg team who I think has slowly become a contender. And of course, bringing in Sean Monaghan, that's a big thing as well. That is. It's a huge thing. I, I'm the, the Jets fan that is holding his breath right now because I've seen what happened to this team last year. They had a very similar start to this uh, last year. About the All-Star break on, they suddenly, all of a sudden, the bottom fell out on them. And they did basically just enough to get themselves into the playoffs. This recent five-game winning streak has got me scared a little bit, saying, oh, God, no, please not again. Hopefully it's not the case. Hopefully Bones can turn things around and uh, keep this team going strong for the remainder of the season. I'm curious to see what they do. Do they make another move on the back end before the trade deadline in uh, early March? I'm hearing lots of chat that uh, maybe they get rid of Nate Schmidt somehow, uh, sweeten it up with a draft pick and pick up a, a cheaper defenseman that can be a uh, uh, a higher up on the depth chart, uh, blue line wise. I don't know if they will do that. Uh, Schmitty, I know, is a, a huge character guy that everybody loves in that dressing room. And I don't know if you want to upset the turnip truck that much by uh, moving him out uh, to uh, try to just add a little more skill to the blue line. But they'll be a fun team to watch down the stretch. Now, uh, another surprise, and I, I guess I'm not really surprised that they're at the top or near the top of the Pacific Division, I think, because. It was expected, widely expected. Then they got off to this historic, terrible start. And then Connor McDavid just took things into overdrive. Stuart Skinner, I know you're looking at me with a smirk because you don't want to talk about the Edmonton Oh, no, Oilers. no, no. But no, no, no. On contraire, they were actually going to be my disappointment on the year. At least the way they started the I, I, season. For sure, for sure. How they started. But yes. They've just won 16 games in a row. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're not the, the disappointment overall for the season. The way they started the year, though, was extremely disappointing. This is a team that I expected to be uh, the top team in the Western Conference this year and to go all the way to the Stanley Cup Final. And to come out the way they did the, this season was, oh, my God. Wow. How, uh, how does that happen? Yeah, exactly. Like, uh They've turned it around. Chris Knobloch, I mean, there's there's a great decision, obviously, by Ken Holland to uh, uh, make that coaching change. Not often the coaching changes really work in situations like that, but in this case, it has for the Edmonton Oilers. Bringing Chris Knobloch in, uh, they've, I don't know, you would know best how many times they've lost since uh, Chris took over as uh, the head coach, maybe two or three times overall in that time, but uh, it's been a great move. We've seen McDavid return to the way he's supposed to play. Dreisaitl return to the play He's supposed to play uh, Skinner, giving them some solid net mining. Do you think they go after Marc-Andre Fleury at the trade deadline to solidify that net mine increase? They've also, I've heard rumors, are Jake Gensel up front, which is a very nice piece that the Edmonton Oilers could perhaps add. Yeah, I, I would love bringing in Marc-Andre Fleury because I'm still not sold on Stuart Skinner. Yeah. I, I love Stewie. I think he's doing a great job. Um, he certainly helped the team win 16 straight games. Calvin Picard, I mean, that's just, that's obviously not the guy. No, if um, he, if if Stewart goes down, you're done. You're done because you're relying on Pickard to be your goaltender the rest of the way. And, and no, they're no. not winning a cup with Calvin Pickard as no. their starting netminder. I'm sorry, Oilers fans. <laughs> it doesn't matter how many goals you score. You're still not going to win. My biggest disappointment, though, is an Edmonton Oilers rival in the L.A. Kings. They won 16 of their first 23 games. They were on fire. They weren't losing. Todd McClellan was on the top of the mountain. Now he's not even coaching in the National Hockey League because they lost eight straight games from December 28th to January 13th. They lost 14 of 16 games from December 28th to January 20th. This is a good team, but for to lose that many games consistently for that long, 
that's a little bit of a shock, and that's why they're my disappointment of the season so far. And I'll add three letters to that as well, too. P-L-D. The curse. Where has Pierre-Luc Dubois gone? Gone. Bye-bye. Like, that trade was supposed to be the piece for the LA Kings to move them into the top echelon. The Jets have fleeced the Kings off of that deal with the way that Dubois has played this year. And you look at what uh, just Velarde and Ayafalo have done alone. Never mind, you've still got Rasmus Kupari that's going to develop. And they still got a draft pick that they're going to get out of all of that. They have definitely fleeced the Kings uh, off of that trade. My disappointment, you got to go a little higher up the coast. The Seattle Kraken. I thought they would take another step this year after going to the playoffs last year. Uh, getting a playoff series victory over Colorado last season. I thought they would take that next step this season, and it just simply hasn't happened. It's really surprising that uh, uh, Seattle is struggling the way they have this season. You know who hasn't been a disappointment this year? The Brooks Bandits, formerly of the Alberta Junior Hockey League, no longer part of Alberta, but boy, oh boy, if we want to use the word dynasty, they are a juggernaut, a perennial Will they be BCHL champions? More on that coming up in just a couple of moments. Thanks for listening to the Heavy Hitters Podcast. You can keep up to date with everything Heavy Hitters by following the guys on Twitter at It's the Duffy One and Jay Henson73. And you can check them out on Facebook by visiting the Heavy Hitters Podcast page. The boys will be right back with some more heavy hitting action. Welcome back for the final segment, episode number one. This is the Heavy Hitters Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Certainly do appreciate it. You can reach us on Twitter as well as our Facebook page. You can uh, reach us to directly as well on Facebook. Back to chat now. Jeff, you got your hand up. Hey, let's, let's while we've got this here, while we're talking about it, let's give a hats off here to our social media guy, Connor. He's Con- done... Great job of getting the word out there about our uh, podcast and getting folks excited about this uh, debut edition. So, Connor Sims, thank you for what you do. We appreciate you. Uh, Nothing is taken for granted. So thank you for taking time in your busy life to help us brand the Heavy Hitters podcast. We appreciate you. So thank you for everything you do. And some people in Alberta and in Brooks are saying thank you to the Bandits organization because uh, they dominated the Alberta Junior Hockey League. Now, they're gone from the Alberta Junior Hockey League because the Brooks Bandits, the Blackfolds Bulldogs, the Okotoks Oilers, the Sherwood Park Crusaders, and the Spruce Grove Saints have all defected from the AJHL. They're now a part of the British Columbia Hockey League, so you're going to have five Alberta teams playing out of a BC League. This all stemmed after BC Hockey left Hockey Canada last year because they just believed Hockey Canada wasn't the right route. They didn't like some of the rules and regulations that they had, and now you have five teams that are no longer a part of Hockey Canada as well. So let's chat about Brooks. Let's chat about Black Falls, Okotoks, Brooks, Sherwood Park and the Spruce Grove Saints move into the BC Hockey League. Travels aside, how much did this news? And, and I should say, this was news wasn't even supposed to come out until May first. Yep. it was leaked because a BC uh, owner was pissed off that this was happening in the first place. So he made it known, brought forward a ton of controversy <laughs> in the Alberta Junior Hockey League, to say the least. They were pissed off that, uh, and I guess I would be too if I was the commissioner of Alberta and saw that five of my top franchises were leaving the league. So they were mad. BC was thrilled because they were set to welcome five of the top franchises from another province. And really, if you look at the top 20 rankings, a couple of the top teams. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this teams from Alberta moving to BC? Well, this is, uh, uh, to be completely honest, I can tell you this has been in the works for quite some time. I remember... Back in my days in uh, Grand Prairie in the uh, late 2000s, there was already talk of a a Super League being discussed hush-hush between some teams in BC and some teams in Alberta. Grand Prairie was one of the teams that I understand uh, uh, was involved with some of those discussions uh, at that time, at least rumored to be involved in those uh, discussions. Uh, It eventually went by the wayside, uh, kind of quieted down for a little bit, and then now picked up again once again here with... uh, these five new franchises jumping over to the uh, the BC Hockey League. Uh, 
your comment there about some folks in Brooks maybe uh, thanking or congratulating the bandits. I'm wondering how much some of those folks though, are a little upset with this one owner in BC for letting the cat out of the bag a little early on this move because Brooks, I mean, despite what Flin Flon has done this year, you can't argue with the fact that the bandits have won back to back, if not three. Three. Uh, Canadian Junior A titles in a row. And they were going back to the national final. They were, they were going to clearly get out of Alberta. And I, I, they would have been my pick to win the Centennial Cup, to be completely honest. Just oh. that experience alone. I well, thought, go Bombers. I, well, now I'm cheering. Yeah, now I'm pulling for the Bombers <laughs> or whoever comes out of Manitoba. But I, I certainly think, wouldn't that have been one hell of a final? The Flint Flon Bombers and the Brooks Bandits in the uh, Centennial Cup Championship, if that matchup had uh, ever uh, materialized. Now we get robbed of it. We don't get to see it with the Bandits and these other franchises uh, jumping ship to go to BC for the remainder of the season. A couple of those franchises don't surprise me at all. I knew Brooks would head over there just on competition level alone because they're so much better than the other teams in Alberta right now. Black Falls, they've only been around for a couple of years, but that has been just a, a model franchise for how you run a junior hockey team, so they're not a surprise that they went. And a pretty rapid rise up the yes, standings, too, absolutely. for Black Falls. Absolutely. Uh, Spruce Grove, another professionally run franchise, they are owned by the same people who own the Seattle Thunderbirds of the Western Hockey League, so you know there's money and resources there. They could certainly make that jump. The two that surprised me the most out of that are Sherwood Park and Okotoks. Sherwood Park, this is a team that I remember was scraping by financially when I was in Alberta covering the Grand Prairie Storm. Now, unless they've got some brand new owner with deep pockets that is uh, all of a sudden uh, put a lot of money into that franchise, I still do not know how they're going to survive in this new league, especially with all the travel. Once you get into next year and they start combining games between Alberta and BC teams, uh, they don't draw a lot of fans in Sherwood Park to a hockey game. So I'm just, I'm really curious to see how they're going to do financially. You know, I'm sure someone's going to correct me and tell me what's happening in Sherwood Park since I left and uh, try to put my mind at ease at that. But I still have questions about the Crusaders. Okotoks can definitely have made the move. But the fact they're leaving now, one year away from when they were supposed to host the Centennial Cup, that boggles my mind that they would give up a chance at a national championship in their back rink uh, in front of their own fans, a huge Huge financial boost that would have been for Okotoks in the entire uh, area there, immediately south of Calgary, and they give that up to go to another league. That shocked me. You know what, Jeff? I've, uh, it's funny you bring that up in Okotoks giving up a national championship to go to BC. I've been thinking about that. Honestly, I've lost sleep at some nights because I'm thinking, how can you give up a national championship? Mm -hmm. I, I've been thinking hard, and now I'm on the side of I understand it because, sure, you're giving up a two-week economic boost. You're giving up a chance to bring in top-end junior A players and build that you know in your community and perhaps try and win a national championship on your home ice. On the other side of the coin, because there's always two sides of the coin, you're also giving the community a chance to watch future NCAA Division I players on a night-by-night -night basis. Because if you look at the Penticton V's roster, every single player on their roster on a usual year has already committed to Division One. The BCHL has more Division One commits than any other league in the country. So you're giving the hometown fans a chance to watch the best possible hockey on a night-by-night -night basis. Would you not rather watch the Penticton V's or the Salmon Arm Silverbacks or the Langley Rivermen over watching the Olds Grizzlies or any of those bottom feeder teams that have no chance at sending any Division One players to the show? Why not wait a year? Why not wait a year to make that move? You know, work it out that following the 2025 season, you jump to the BCHL. Then you've got the 24-25 year not only to build a roster for that uh, national championship, but have some guys that are going to be obviously high-end talent that won't necessarily be graduating after that 25 season that you carry over with you to the BCHL and make yourself that much more competitive against the BCHL teams. Man, I've already been losing sleep for weeks, and now you just brought that up, and I'm going to have to think about that. So thank you for that, Jeff. If I come into work one day and I'm grouchy and I don't want to talk, 
we know exactly what. You're why. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so when it, when it comes to NCAA Division One, I, I want to wrap up our first episode of the Heavy Hitters podcast, Jeff, by some news that NCAA Division One coaches are set to vote on. And if it goes forward and if it is approved, it will change. Canadian Hockey League players, so Major Junior, the OHL, the Western Hockey League, and the Quebec Maritimes Hockey League, those players will get the chance to still play Major Junior and then go NCAA Division I. Right now, the only possible way to go NCAA Division I is to play Junior A hockey, mm-hmm. which has been a good thing for Junior A because over the years, guys like Kale McCarr, who played with the Brooks Bandits, I had a chance to watch him against the Fort McMurray Oil Barons several years ago, and now he's a superstar in the uh, in the National Hockey League with the Colorado Avalanche. But this could seriously alter Junior A hockey in the country because I think it's going to be way less attractive to play Junior A if guys can still play Major Junior and then go on to play NCAA Division One. It absolutely will. You're going to see uh, a lot of these guys that were easily would be NCAA candidates, I think, make that jump now to the Western Hockey League or to Major Junior instead of staying around in Junior A. Junior A, you're going to see more now some of these WHL or Major Junior cast-off guys that are going to lose their jobs in these leagues because of this other talent moving up from Junior A to the Major Junior ranks. They're going to filter back down. And yeah, I think the quality of play in the Junior A loop is going to suffer as a result of that if this goes through. Again, that's the big thing. The coaches right now uh, in the NCAA have to vote on this and, and make this a, approval. It has long been debated. Uh, NCAA has often long said, nope, you guys are pro hockey players. You know, you get paid, you get uh, stuff like that. We're not going to allow you. So the NCAA still has to make some pretty significant adjustments for this to happen. But if it does happen... Yeah, it's a game changer when it comes to uh, Junior A and going down even. Junior B is going to feel the effects of this as well, too, uh, if this decision does go through. And it almost feels like if it does go through, Junior A is going to be a feeder system for NCAA Division Three players. Not taking anything away from Division Three players. It's still really good hockey. You still compete for a national championship, but it is nowhere, not even close compared to Division One hockey, but... If you are NCAA Division I hockey coaches, Jeff, do you not see it as a benefit as well? Because some players, I mean, yes, you're going to have some guys with Kale McCarr uh, being, a you know, a prime example. He wanted to go play Junior A so he could go play NCAA Division I. But there are also some really elite, talented players that still want to play Major Junior. They want to play for the Brandon Wee Kings. They want to play for the Kelowna Rockets. They want to play for London. Uh, the London. They want to play for the Sarnia Sting. Or they want to play in Quebec, and that doesn't give them the ability to play Division One hockey. So Division One is losing out on the opportunity to perhaps to get a star from London, a star from Brandon. But if they decide to approve this, you can pick off those stars and in turn, does that not make Division One hockey that much better? Oh, it absolutely does. It definitely makes uh, Division One hockey that much better. The issue they'll have is now all of a sudden you're competing against the NHL for these guys because NHL teams draft these players and they're going to have that uh, look at, you know, do we invest a four-year scholarship in a guy that we may have for only one year who's going to want to make that jump to the National Hockey League? Uh, right away whereas you you see that less and less with guys that are drafted coming out of uh, the NCAA ranks now if you're trying to recruit these kids from major junior to come play in your program again you're going head to head now all of a sudden against the National Hockey League and that's a pretty big bird to have to fight some pretty big news and we will certainly wait for it and when the verdict comes out we'll certainly chat about it Jeff that's going to wrap it up for episode one but I know you did have a couple of shout-outs. Yeah, we do have a couple of shout-outs I wanted to throw out here first. Uh, first off, I want to say a special hi to the U11 and U13 Hesper Shamrock team out of, uh, teams, I should say, out of uh, Ontario. A good friend of mine uh, from my media days uh, in Grand Prairie by the name of Annalisa Wall. She's the uh, manager of those teams. And uh, she asked me a couple weeks back if I could uh, pre-record some special intros for their teams as they... Uh, 
go out onto the ice for their uh, hockey games, the intros to be played uh, over the course of their uh, warm-up and such. And, of course, when you think of stuff like that, uh, Darnell, what's the first song that pops into your mind when it comes to uh, introductions for hockey teams or any sports teams? The first song that pops out of my mind? Oh, boy. Uh, it's got to be the Chicago Bulls intro. Serious, Alan Carson's project. Iconic. Yes, so that's what I use to introduce uh, both those teams. Um, I know Annalise has told me that uh, both introductions have been received extremely well. Apparently, the kids now play them in the dressing room before they even come on to the They're ice. pros uh, now. For their games. Yeah, they feel like pros, absolutely. And I mean, and I went as far as I did the whole, I don't remember the guy's name that was the PA announcer from the, the Chicago Bulls, but the whole, uh, and now, it's like, so they get a kick out of that. The parents have gotten a kick out of that. And I understand the U13 Shamrocks are 2-0 and since they started using that introduction. So I'm taking a little credit for their Good playoff run here so far. So want to wish them uh, good luck the remainder of the way here in the postseason. It was a, a lot of fun doing those uh, introductions for them. Secondly, Mr. Duff, we are releasing this around Valentine's Day. You and I both have very special women in our life that I uh, think are uh, huge fans of ours and huge supporters of ours. And we definitely uh, want to uh, take a moment to... Uh, Send out very special happy Valentine's Day uh, greetings to both of them. And as well, on top of all that, guys, get out there and do something special for your special woman in your life on Valentine's Day. So for myself personally, my uh, new fiance Jennifer, I want to wish her a very happy uh, Valentine's Day and uh, looking forward to spending lots of time down the road with her. I know I don't have the same luxury as you and Brody have where the two of you are living together in the same city. Jennifer and I currently live about an hour and a half apart from each other. Looking to change that later on this year at some point, but uh, uh, looking forward to uh, lots of fun with her down the road. And much as I'm sure you know, you yourself and Brody have a lot of uh, uh, fun and uh, special times ahead for the two of you coming up. Well, it's great to see the happiness in your face uh, when you chat about Jennifer. Brody, uh, love you to death. Thank you for putting up for me, uh, putting up, you know, with me most days. I don't know how you do it because I'm a, I'm an absolute disaster, but I love you. Jeff, thank you so much. Looking forward to next week. This has been fun. See you in seven, folks. Shout out to all you folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Heavy Hitters podcast. Don't forget to follow us and we'll chat with you around the clock. That's a wrap for this week on the Heavy Hitters podcast. Don't forget to give the guys a follow on Twitter at It's the Duffy One and Jay Henson73. You can also keep up to date with the podcast by visiting the Heavy Hitter Podcast on Facebook. Duffy and Henny will return next week, but for now, keep it real and keep it heavy hitting.